three, two. everyone welcome to this the legion of Myth live stream i'm your first host alex Groth on mark with me as always is brett heathen dog grissomer hello everyone hope you're having a great day hope you continue to have a great day hope good things happen for you yes that is what we all hope for everyone in the universe mostly well, mostly me yeah sure why not we'll go with yeah, that we'll yeah. see you well uh we yeah, Anything exciting going on in your life, Ethan Dog? Exciting? Well, first off, tomorrow, call your mom. Tell her how much you love her. Why? You don't know what tomorrow? Tomorrow is? Sunday? It is also Mother's Day. I there you go! <laughs> yes. I don't see why there. we should bind ourselves to such temporal ideas to tell those who gave us birth that we love them, if in fact we do. I think well, we should do that on unexpected well, you know what? occasions. If, yes. Like ninjas. Unexpected occasions, no. Like ninjas. <laughs> Ninja love, huh? Yeah, exactly. Attack, no, you run out that. there, I love you, and then you run. <laughs> you know? You know, they're always facing Mother's Day. They're by the phone. They're waiting. You know what? You call them three weeks yep. later, say happy Mother's Day, they're going to be surprised. No, they're going to be pissed. That's what they're going to be. And <laughs> surprised. I didn't say and pleasantly surprised. surprised. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. You, you, didn't, you didn't caveat that one. That's that's true. Okay. Hey, call them at like 2 in the morning. Happy Mother's Day. That was yesterday. Oh. Uh -huh. Surprise. Oh, no. I, I, I just got back from a Coke bender, Mom. I'm sorry. I didn't know what time. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Oh, but uh, Mother's Day aside, uh, we got a great show for you today. Uh, surprising stuff. Go ahead and uh, lay it on them. Well, we actually have a special segment from Max Leo with Max Leo's Maximum Leosity 8-Bit Armies Review. He did not approve that title. We then have Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dog with Anime on the Stream, talking about Gargantia and Death Parade. That sounds fun. Bring the kids. And a Garthon's comic poll, our three big books, uh, Just League of America, New Superman, and more... The RNG with whatever is rattling around our old brain stems. Yeehaw. That yeehaw was you know what? I, I, The yeehaw was for you. Thank you. I, I didn't think I'd be a, a new Superman fan, but that, that book got me. Yeah, weirdly enough. So this book says, I'll look at it, you know, because it sounds a little like, oh, look, it's an Asian Superman written by Asian people. It's like, oh, come on now. Special interest, blah. And but then you read like, oh, it's actually a really good book. Why don't you just say this is a new Superman and it's good and you should read it. Max... Maximum Liao is in chat right now. It says he does not see the stream. You should uh, refresh because I'm seeing it. As am I. That sounds like his personal problem, doesn't it? Oh, he's, he stayed up all this time just to watch his segment. Oh, well, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't stay uh, up to watch that right? segment? I know. Uh, he says, why I know see stream? Well, there could be a lot of reasons for that. Have you tried opening your eyes? Oh no! Don't make fun of him. Don't just just because he threw something on you. Come on. As as a matter of fact, while well, uh, while well, while uh, while well, he's here right now, let's uh let's let's go ahead and start with uh, with his start. review. We can't. We can't start with. Oh, his we review. can't because we have. 
because we, we have to disclaimer. tell everyone what we can't do. Exactly. Right. We have to tell everyone what's not going to happen. That's right. The opinions expressed in are solely the opinions of the individual commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Fifth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, there may be the occasions of foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Hugs, hugs, everyone's safe. Get out a circle of paper, kids. Alright, and as always, you can follow Lisa Smith on the internet. That's the easiest place to follow us. If you're looking for a newsletter, I'm sorry, you're going to be waiting by your ye old post for a long time for that pony to come by with the letter, kids. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube.com, where we have the YouTubes. Just look for Legion of Myth. You can look up Twitch TV slash Legion of Myth on Reddit. We have our own subreddit. Thank you, thank you. It's Heathen Dog. Uh, Reddit.com slash Legion of Myth. Facebook.com slash Legion of Myth, where we like to interact with everyone, tell them what's going on uh, with Messenger and through the Twitters at Legion of Myth. Tweet at us. We'll tweet at you. We'll have a tweet fest. Yes, it'll all be birdsong everywhere. That's right. And now, let us do this thing on the stuff. With maximum leosity and 8-bit armies review. Hello, Legionnaires. This is Max Leal from Legion Myth. And it has been a long time since I've actually done a real video game review. I think like two years. So today I want to get back into the swing of things. Do something a little easy. And I'm going to do a review of the 8-bit series of games. 8-bit armies, 8-bit hordes, and 8-bit invasion. So let's go... First of all, the 8-bit series, and I'm just going to either call it 8-bit army or 8-bit series, just depending on what flaps out of my mouth. I'm not going to call it hordes or invasion, but you got it. It's all three of them. They're basically the same thing anyway. Um, the 8-bit series is published by Petroglyph Games. It's developed by Petroglyph Games. And each one was released on a different date. Uh, Armies was 22 April 2016, followed by hordes, which is 12 August, and then December 2016 for um, invasion. And Petroglyph Games is also known for games such as Grey Goo, Panzer General, and Star Wars Empire at War. Kind of an old game, I remember playing that a long time ago, as well as some other games. Anyway, 8-Bit Armies features uh, voxel-looking real-time strategy in the vein of Command & Conquer, which should surprise no one as many of the Westwood Studios personnel form Petroglyph. It's a single-player campaign in skirmish mode. You can have uh, up to eight-player multiplayer, versus or co-op, or PvP if you don't like versus. It has a multiverse strategy version of the game. And if you have all three of them, you can combine, well, even if you don't, but <laughs> you can combine all of them. So you can have aliens versus paladins and fun stuff like that. And if you don't own one of the versions, well, you can't be them, but you can play against them. Anyway, now going into this game, my expectations for the 8-bit series was twofold. I expect them to be fun and simple graphics. I mean, it's voxel graphics, pixel graphics. I mean, come on, how can it not be fun, right? <laughs> but with a surprisingly deep gameplay, I really was expecting some deep gameplay in this. And we all know that the retro 8 and 16-bit look is certainly in vogue right now. But the game was released in 2016, so I was ready for some unexpected depth. Now starting off, there is a tutorial that will help you learn the basics of the game and there's also an in-game mini manual to help you uh, remember things if you get stuck. And in typical RTS fashion, the game starts you off with a few units, few buildings, and as you progress through the campaign, 
your units, you get more units, your buildings become more useful, and so forth. Basically, upgrades. If you remember the old Command and Conquer games, you'll recognize this formula immediately. You start the map with your headquarters and your harvester. You collect resources, there we go, from the indicated nodes. You build up your base, and you attack the enemy. It's pretty simplistic, huh? By the time you're midway through the campaign, you have your full capability, and the game becomes all about the tactics needed to win. And while there is a mini-story, I have to admit that I really didn't pay too much attention to it. It was just basically a little paragraph blurb and just left it at that, like, yay, we're fighting for this reason, whatever. Um, even the venerable Command and Conquer had much, much more depth, of little videos, cutscenes, actors, and so forth, than, uh, than all three of the 8-bit series games did. For me, all the 8-bit games were about nothing more than getting to the next map, fending off the waves and waves of mini-rushes until I could build some tanks and helicopters, and then I'd head down to wipe out the AI's base. I mean, with only 11 buildings and unit types, there was really no deviation to this. And if you're playing one of the medieval or futuristic factions, it's really the same thing, just with whatever their helicopter slash tank unit happened to be, a dragon or some weird-looking lizard thing. <laughs> anyway, um, there are bonus missions that do add to the challenge of the game. Things like defeat the enemy without building infantry or win in under five minutes. I didn't find them compelling or challenging enough. Well, I shouldn't say challenging enough. I didn't do them. I didn't find them compelling enough to really even attempt them. Now, there's a multiverse uh, part of the game, and I'm not 100% sure if this was part of the original 8-bit uh, armies release or if this came with one. I think it came with invasions, but because I bought all three together, I don't 100% know. Um, pardon me for not knowing that, but... Uh, in the multiverse mode, you build up armies and conquer lands in order to build like a mini-empire and defeat your enemy. And while you can auto-resolve the fights, the intent is for you to play the tactical game to resolve the combat for each land. So you have little hexes, and you move your army, and you take that one over, and then you move your army again. In the meantime, the more lands you get, the more you build up, etc., etc. Probably see it behind me here somewhere. <laughs> uh, the multiverse mode is a really neat idea. It just falls short in its implementation. I think its biggest flaw is the lack of a pause button. I know that sounds silly, but really, the lack of a pause button, because as you get attacked in two lands and you're trying to build up over here and you got to move things over there, it's like, can I just pause this for a second and move my guys? It's not even about micromanagement. It's just like be able to pause a dumb game. And the other flaw that I notice is that once one team, and it didn't matter if it was me or the AI, once one team gets the advantage, it's pretty much impossible to win. Anytime I had one, one hex more than the enemy, after we hit that 50% threshold, I never lost. And anytime the enemy had one hex more than me, I could fight them off for a little bit, but I never won. So, and I might be exaggerating a little bit on that, but that's really, it's like, once you start losing, the game's over, and come on. Just, it wasn't fun enough to keep me interested. So let's talk about the good and the bad. Kind of giving you a little synopsis there. The pros of the game, where its strengths are, are the graphics, the sound, and the music. I love the design and the aesthetic of all three games. The 8-bit armies one is a little plain compared to the other two, but I mean, you're talking two modern military factions. Once you get hordes, where it's kind of a more of a Warcraft style, and you get the uh, invasion, which adds in mecha and... Uh, uh, alien monsters, uh, a la World of uh, or War of the Worlds, and and uh, what else? Aliens and so forth. Um, 
that was it was really fun to see. They did a really good job in the aesthetic. And I love listening to the game. You know, the bleeps and bloops, whatever, but the music and the general uh, sound in the game was awesome. It had a great audio-visual video feel. And the factions were good in the context of the game. Um, every faction felt unique, even if they were all the same. And I don't mean unique in, in build order. I mean unique in the way they looked. So everything's going back to that audio and that video. It looked interesting, looked unique, looked colorful, looked voxel. I mean, I, I, it was just, I liked the way it looked. The problems with the games, uh, the games, all three of them, yes, is that the AI, both your enemy and your guys, if you weren't completely micromanaging, they're stupid. I mean, they're beyond stupid. And there was a singular play style. The, the AI was always doing mini rushes, so if you like the, the Zerg combat from StarCraft, oh, you'll love this game. Mini rushes, then for me, it was just fending off the mini rushes, getting my technology up to so I could build a whole bunch of tanks, usually around 20 or so tanks, a few helicopters, five, six helicopters, and then I win. I mean, seriously, that, that was it. After you get to that point of the game where you can build those things, that was every fight. Zerg rush, Zerg rush, Zerg rush, Zerg rush, got my tanks, got my helicopters, wipe them out, win. So, you know, I know it's a throwback game, but come on, it's 2016. So, my final result for this game, final verdict, is, you know, this may be unfair, but I compare all RTS games to Total Annihilation. That, to me, is the best. Sure, you can say Supreme Commander because that's a modern version of them and whatnot. But to me, Total Annihilation is where it's at. If you're better than Total Annihilation, you're an awesome game. If you're worse than Total Annihilation, well, it's just not an awesome game. And this game isn't even on the same field as the amazing Total Annihilation game, let alone able to compete with it. On what I'd consider a positive note, the 8-bit series reminds me a lot of the new Master of Orion that came out. And what I mean by that is it's great for people new to the genre. So if you've never played a real-time strategy game before, the 8-bit series would be a good entry point. If, kind of a mundane one. If all three games were one game, that means the combined 73 single-player missions and 20, was it 22 co-op, no, 32 co-op missions. And, you know, if the player missions provided more units and actual story, I mean, come on, 11 buildings and 11 units? Yay? And really, uh, in each one, they're all the same. So while they were different, they were really the same. And if the overall style of the game wasn't Zerg Rush, Zerg Rush, Zerg Rush, build tanks, and win, this could be a fantastic game, but it's just not. I mean, it's what I told you it is. So I give the game two stars, a poor rating. So play this game only for the audio and visuals, or if you just have to play a dumbed-down version of Command & Conquer. That's all it is. So, anyway, well, that's it for me. I cannot thank you enough for watching this segment of Legion Myth Livestream. If you had a good time, or if you have some comments you'd like to make regarding my review, please be sure to like this video, subscribe to Legion Myth channel, and comment on one of our social media sites that one of the guys will tell you about later. I would love to hear from you. Now back to Garthon and Ethan Dog. Have a great day. All right, thank you very much, Max Leo, for that wonderful review of 
8-bit armies. I don't think I'll be rushing out to buy it. No, me neither. That doesn't sound good. I mean, I, I love I love uh, StarCraft, especially my, my, my favorite RTS game is, is, is uh, StarCraft 2. And uh, What about the... Age of Empires 1? That's a good game. No, no. I'm sorry. My fave. I got a fave, and uh, the the, the uh, Zerg rush thing was always annoying to me. Whenever I whenever I played against the Zerg, oh my god, it was annoying. And if if, if that's the way this AI works all the time, pff, pass. Well, that's called the Zerg rush because that's what they did, you know. Yeah. It's not, not the first faction to do it. They're famous for it. They're perf- perfected it, maybe. They're not perfected, but popularized. No, no, that OG. Uh, yeah, I like StarCraft, but. I like some good strategy, like Command and Conquer and such not. Like uh, Supreme Commander, all the good stuff. I really liked the original uh, Age of Empires series. I liked Age of Empires 3, too. Where's my Age of Empires 4? Gosh dang it. Anyway. Thank you very much for that review, everyone. And always look for more of Max Leo's reviews, playlongs, videos, and other such excitement on our YouTube channel. Thank you, Max Leo. But for now, let's move on to something a little bit different. Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, anime on the stream. Thank you very much. Today we have uh, we have two great anime that you can find on either Hulu, Netflix, or both. The first is called Gargantia on the Virtuous Planet. Now, I'm sure that in Japanese that rolls off the tongue, but the translation is a little awkward. For some reason, I don't think it does. <laughs> now, what uh, what what originally uh, got got me to watch this was the the splash screen you're looking at right now. I mean, uh, you got a you got a mech, you 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 got a, a serious looking guy, a, a, a not completely not serious and carefree looking girl. But it was the background. Check out that background. What the frick is that? The crazy messed up city in the big boat. It's it's a city apparently in the water. Maybe and then, and then giant, yeah, I was, is, is that really just a giant boat? So I wanted to know. But uh, before we get into that, let's get into the particulars. And this this uh, this anime was directed by Yuzuru Takahawa, written by same dude, uh, music by Yuki uh, Hayashi, Studio Madhouse, uh, licensed by Mad Mat Entertainment, Funimation, and Anime Limited. The original networks were NTV, Sun, BS. Natal, I guess, uh, ATX and MMT. The original run was from January 9, 2015 to March 27, 2015, and there were 12 episodes. And you can watch this on both Hulu and Netflix. Ooh. And Matt Max Liao just wrote uh, Knight, Knights of Sidonia on the Sea. Knights of Sidonia sucked. This was a good one. I kind of like Knights of Sidonia. Okay, everyone thinks they do, but they really don't. Now uh, <laughs> we, we 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 go see our I don't want I don't want to say protagonist, but our main character, okay, Leto. All right, and and next to him is his mech, called Chamber. Now his his his, is that his a mech, mech or is it a power suit? No, aha, see the the that's I, I couldn't find one I couldn't find a good picture that gave scale. I want you the, this is the actual scale. Leto fits in the head. Of chamber. Okay. That that's his pilot cockpit is in the head. So th- this is a uh, if you want to if you want to hearken it back to something. This is a Robotech type mech. All right, I, mean, I got you. Okay, so it is large. All right, now uh, chamber is the name of the AI. It's the it's it's the uh, pilot enrichment 
and uh, assistance system or something like well, that. Where, let's be honest. It, if you're going to pile the mech, you're going to need some sort of assist. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, actually, this the, this thing handles a lot of uh, a lot of function on, unless the, the pilot does specific overrides. Like uh, it, it'll do auto targeting. You just have to pull the trigger when you want to fire. You know, you it, it will it will do everything for you, but you have to command it to do it. It has to follow the uh, the, um, the the commands of the pilot without question unless the pilot goes off mission or 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 betrays his people or whatever i'm now, sensing a plot point yes yes now uh, I, I want you to see chamber in action and we have our first clip here and uh this this is a fight with uh with an, an a space battle with an alien species called the hideos nope don't don't go to that slide go back it's, you, uh, according to my notes the clips are playing something else. All right, that's fine. All right, that's fine. We're gonna we're gonna play all. これって一体何なの？あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、あれ、
now uh, we're going to go to some of the people. All right. Uh, in, in our next slide, we have the two people that Leto first meets when when he exits uh, the uh, his his uh, his caliber, which is which is what, what his mech is called. No, uh, I wouldn't one, mind meeting these two. Okay, the one on the left is a girl, little girl. Uh, her name is Amy, and she's actually the one that he was carrying in the clip because she's the first one that saw him. Someone else saw him, and he took her as a hostage shield. He wasn't really going to hurt her, but he, he figured that these people wouldn't hurt each other. They might hurt him, though. And she has a crazy squirrel. Yeah, she has she has a, a domesticated uh, flying squirrel. It doesn't actually fly. It's a real flying squirrel. They just glide, you know, stuff like that. And right. the one on yeah, the one on the right, her her name is Bellows. She is the uh, the uh, I want to say treasure hunter, the 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 main treasure hunter on the Gargantia. She she owns she owns and operates most of the heavy crane and heavy and uh, and heavy lifting ability. So when when treasure hunters find treasure. They, they, they pay her with a cut to go and dredge it up from the bottom of, of the water. And then we go to the next slide and we see, I put her in, I put her in two slides. I didn't mean to do that. Well, we have Bellows again. You just again. really like her. That's all right. I, <laughs> I do. <judge. laughs> there you go. But on, on the, on the right is, is Pinon. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but that's how it's spelled. Um, he is that he's, he's one of those treasure hunters. All right. And, and he's also a really, really good mechanic. All right, so he's the one who actually found uh, Leto and Chamber, and Bellows is the one that brought her uh, brought them up. That's probably why. I put was them both was Leto, were Leto and Chamber actually underwater for a, a really long time and just they, like suspended animation? Yes, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, Ch Chamber put put Leto in suspended animation for about six months before before they it's were. It's not found. too bad. No, it's it's not too bad. And in the next slide, we have the second in command. Of the of the of the fleet ship Gargantia, Regit. She is uh, she is your hard nosed by the book, you know, um, fo follow the rules or or you get punished type, you know, second in command. Which Ooh, you know, I think I like that. Well, yeah, it's it it's it's a common theme in in, in naval history where where the where the, where the captain get, gets to, gets to stay above and all of the commendations and uh, he gives all the commendations and the second man give, gives all the punishments and the harshness and that's exactly what happens here now throughout the uh the the, the story itself is uh it's nice uh it was really slow in the beginning because he didn't know their language uh, no one trusted him. He didn't have anything to do because there's no fight. You know, he was bred. He was born and raised to fight Hideos. He was born and raised for space combat. And uh, the very first combat he saw was against a pirate fleet. Well, he saw them as the enemy, so he went and eliminated the enemy. And the Garganian crew was like, "What are you doing? No, no, you don't kill them. They just come back more pissed off. You you just show them that you have force to to, and you drive them off, and they go find someone weaker." Well, it's if like, you have a giant mech, you just kill them. Exactly, too. but if you have a giant mech, you just win, and you just keep winning, you know, <laughs> because because these guys are all backwater backwater hillbillies com compared to compared to Leto's. Right, now. you have a machine gun, they have stone clubs. You have as long as you don't run out of ammo, you win. And he doesn't run out of ammo because it's it's all energy weapons, and and he just plugs into the ship every once in a while to top off, and and he's good to go. And they like this because n not only is he a great great. Uh, for you know military defense, but his 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 mech uh, you know moves cargo faster. It can it can carry more load. It actually uh, if you if you remember in the first clip where I showed him the space, there were these rings above above the caliber's head. 
uh-huh. it's actually it's propelled using uh, using gravity. You're actually creating gravity in the direction you want to fly. Oh, that makes sense. So so he can actually make things lighter. So move, moving heavy objects is super easy. Dredging up stuff from the bottom, super simple. Uh, he, he, he can make a, a, a warship, you know, a, a fraction of its weight. So you may not need that, that huge, uh, five huge cranes to bring it up. You may only need one. You know, so, so his, his utility makes him useful. So they, they give him sanctuary. Now, there's a lot more plot later on. This, this is just the first two episodes of stuff. This is a, a lot more plot later on. I don't want to ruin it for you, but... I will, I will go to the last slide and what I think of it. Uh, uh, as, as action goes, you have, to, you have to persevere through the first several episodes. I give it three and a half stars because it didn't have to be so slow in the beginning. They could have easily written around that. But after the beginning, the combat, co- combat starts, starts up again. The su- subplots start getting interesting. Uh, it takes a few episodes for the characters to actually start to develop which I which which I, I thought was a bummer because they ended up uh, several several secondary characters being more interesting than a couple of the main supporting characters. Yeah, so yeah, that was good. But uh, for for uh, it's 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 kind of like a um, uh, Connecticut Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court vibe. Okay, I get you. I get you. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's it's nice, and I would recommend watching it. There's better anime out there, but there's plenty worse. <laughs> yes, there certainly are. That sounds interesting. This is what I want to check out with all of my copious free time. Yes, all of your copious free time. If if you have if you have if you have a free Saturday or something, and uh, and and you you like you like mech combat and and the, the idea of someone being plucked from their world into into a world that is familiar and both alien at the same time, this is it. All right, excellent. And I believe you have something else for us. We- I do. It's called Death Parade, and that sounds the, so cheery. I know the the title is basically clickbait. I mean, it yeah, has yeah, nothing. Really. It, 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 there's no parades. There there is death, but you don't see any. You know, I'll I'll, I'll get into I'll, I'll get into why once once I get into the particulars. And this one was directed by Yuzuru Takahawa, also written by Yuzuru Takahawa. Uh, wait. This looks familiar. This looks very. This uh, seems to do the same slide you duplicated. I duplicated the slide. Silly, silly me. Well, hang on one second, and I will give you the proper particulars. This is embarrassing. I'm so so full of it. Okay, here are the prop particulars. All right. Uh, no. Oh, my God. This is it. Y- Yuzura Takahawa, written by Yuzura <laughs> it Takahawa. It actually is almost the same? Y- yes. M- music by y- y- Yuki Hayashi Studios, Madhouse, uh, licensed by Madman Entertainment, Funimation, Anime Limited, Original Network, uh, NTV, Sun, uh, BS, Natal, ATX, MT, Original Run, January 19, 2005 to March 12, 12, 27, 2015, 12 episodes. Maybe I messed up the first. So you're saying maybe the first one wasn't accurate? I'm just going to say that they are identical. I'm probably wrong with that. Yes, the, the first one wasn't accurate. That's the problem. Okay, I, I will I will put the actual particulars for, for Gargantia 
in the uh, the the YouTube, in the show notes and in, in the in the yeah in, in the uh, show show notes uh, when this goes live tomorrow on YouTube. My apologies, uh, but uh, let's let's continue. Nope, scrap it. Start holding over. No, <laughs> let's 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 continue <laughs> with uh, with uh, uh, death parade. Now uh, we we go go to the next clip and you see a bar and. This uh, this this bar is the the backdrop for pretty much 99% of the entire entire series. Right. Um, it is uh, it is called Quindecum, which uh, I looked up the word. It means attacks of one fifteenth. And the the uh, the bar the bar uh, the bartender his his name is Decum. Now he is called an arbiter. All right. Now, an, an, an arbiter, uh, his job is it's to, arbit. yes, he, he, is, he is to judge whether your soul, after you die, whether your soul is worthy to be reincarnated or sent to the void. Now, we're going to look at that clip, that first clip. So he's like right. evil St. Peter. He's not evil. He's not evil. He's well, I mean, St. Peter says you either go to heaven or not. This is more like you either go back to, you know, Another horrible life or uh, the void. Well, that's not a, either was really a good choice. Well, no, the, the whole thing is the whole idea is that if you lived a good life, then then you deserve to go back. If you lived a crappy life, if you were if you were a bad person, if, if the world was worse off that you lived. <laughs> sorry, dude, no second chances. You're that's, done. See, that's inverse Buddhism. Yeah. See, OK, I get that. See, in, in Buddhism, if you were good, you're lucky enough not to have to reincarnate because reincarnating sucks, <laughs> you know, because nothing's more painful than life on this earth, they say. I mean, the top of okay. life on this earth is being a human. Now, you made it to the top. You were good as a, as a worm and a rat and whatever, so you got to be a human. And if you're really good as a human, then you, you're lucky you don't have to reincarnate. But if you well, suck, they don't, guess they what? Don't you reincarnate. Yeah, they don't they don't feel that way. Go ahead and play the first clip, and it'll give you an idea. I did play of the first clip. What's going on? Oh, I didn't see it because I I went off the thing. Okay, then uh, then what 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 you saw was the game, and that is uh, that that is uh, used as a as a tool by the arbiter to bring out the true self of the of the players. All right, uh, you 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 play a game where where you think your life is at stake because you don't have any memories. They 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 they, they took away the memory of your death, so you don't know that you're dead. They uh to, to they make a game where your life is at stake to bring out your basically true colors. All right, makes sense. Yes. Now let's let's go uh, look look at uh, Deckham for a minute. Now he he is an arbiter, a little newish, but arbiters are made are made to specific standards. Now I say made because they they were never alive. And they and they can never die, because that would make them too much human. They they do not have human emotions, because that that would get in the way of their judgment. Much like the actual biblical description of angels. Yes, uh, they uh, the the memories that are taken away from the participants are given to the arbiter, so he can see your memories, see what you've done in your life. That coupled with how you play the game, gives him the information he needs to judge you. And in our next slide, you get to see what, what happens. Yeah, there are two elevators. One elevator goes up and one elevator goes down. 
it's not really up or down. It's 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 not neither here nor there. But uh, one one elevator. I, I wish I could have gotten a better shot. But the elevator on the left has a has an oni face, a, a demon face. And yeah, the I say elevator... one has an evil face, one has a good face. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, the other has a good face. If if you're in, if you're on the good elevator, you get to be reincarnated. If you're in the bad elevator, you get to go to the void. Do you get to choose which elevator, or does that face show up later? That no, the, the that that face shows up when you step in, so you don't know. Oh, okay. Just say, just say, like, if I saw that you'll face, like, maybe I want to go the. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking door number two. No, no, you, you, you can't know that. You can't, can't do that. So, yeah. Um, and uh, if, if we go to the next clip, you'll, you'll see the, the, the uh, two people from the, uh, from, from clip number one, and their game was dumped. Now let's let's take a look at Death Parade clip number two. Here we go. Yeah. And uh, he, he gets a memory back. It's a memory back of some some girls in the bathroom, you know, gabbing away, and finds out that wait a minute. It's my friend. Is really upset. Yeah, look at Okay, wow, yeah, now, uh, uh, Deckham purposely gave him back that memory at that moment to add challenge to the game, to, to anger him, to, to bring out his true self, all right, to see what he would do with that information. Oh, it seems like he's rigging the game. No, 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 these are his memories. He actually experienced this. It's not made up, it's not fictitious, all right? So he's he's giving them back at the moment because his job is is to create the the most stressful environment possible to bring out the real person. All right. Now, yeah, that 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 there's that is an ancient Chinese thing from like way back. You know, you 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 can't find there was this there was this ancient general I forget his name, but he was a he was a sadistic monster. Was it was and, it General uh, So? No, he was he's I believe fictitious, but um, he is. Uh, uh, the, his his whole idea was you couldn't know a person unless unless he, he was unless he was tortured and tortured and tortured until there was nothing until you broke him down and then you can really see who they are. This this is this goes along that vein. I mean, you're put in the most stressful situation possible to see exactly what you do and 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 how you you uh, you uh, convert yourself, or basically. So if we go into clip number three, we're, we're, we're going to see uh, when, when, when he finds out that, uh, that his wife is pregnant. And, 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 and he just tried to kill her because he was so pissed off that he was shooting darts. And oh, I didn't tell you, those, those, those darts actually uh, um, hit organ spots and cause, cause damage. And here she is saying, oh no, you had it right all along. <laughs> this is a very sad show. This is this was episode one. 
<laughs> I'm only doing episode one here, guys. Okay. Now they're not all sad like that. I mean, there, there, there was, there was one where there's old lady who died of natural causes. She comes in and she's so happy. She, she figures she's dead because you know, she's really old and she doesn't remember getting here. So she figures she's dead and, and uh, she, she plays the game all happy and stuff. And he tries to, she tries to get a rise out of her. Nothing happens. She's content. She is just happy, a really good person. And she just goes up immediately. It's great. And there, there are other, and there are ones where both, both people get reincarnated and there are ones where both people go to the void. That's just, that's just, you know, that's just how, how the deal is right now. Let's, uh, let's go to the next slide. This, this girl here. Now she is introduced in the first episode with no name, just the girl with the black hair and the, 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 the arbiter supervisor. No, keep going. The arbiter supervisor tells Deckham that this is your new bartending assistant. Uh, and then t tells the girl with the black hair, you will assist him in anything he needs and until further notice and she has no memories at all she doesn't even know her name she goes okay well i got nothing better to do that's fine and uh the really cool thing is at the end of, of that of that first episode with the whole with the whole uh the, the the man gets reincarnated and the woman goes to the void I, I want you to play clip number four because this is her take on what happened so did it? <laughs> お腹の子は高橋さんの子だと私は思う。しかし、ご本人が違うとおっしゃっていましたが。マチコさん、すごく悲しそうに言ってた。きっと嘘をついたんだと思う。嘘。何のためにその必要があったのでしょうか。高
by the 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 arbiter supervisor the, the the little girl you saw in the last clip she she's actually the the, the head arbiter uh was was planted there to to get Deckham to uh experience his own emotions by learning them from her he wanted she, she wanted to know how an arbiter would judge if an arbiter had emotions would they be better would they be worse basically it's her grand experiment all right yes and and it, it unfolds beautifully throughout throughout the entire series the uh uh, the the uh, the, vo the voiceover acting is excellent. The 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 characters are well written. They're compelling. Uh, all 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 of the all of the different games are are fun. I mean, they, they they seem so simple, but there's always a twist. You know, like like the whole dart game. The twist was if you hit a spot on the board, you hit a random, not a random, but a, a specified organ on the opponent's body, and it causes them pain. Uh, there there was one later on where you're playing uh, air hockey. But each, each of the pucks had a picture of an organ, an eye, a heart, whatever. And, if, if, and, you had, and each one was red or blue. If, if a red one was scored, the, the, the uh, person who, is, who was red felt pain in that organ, but also got a memory back. You know, so it, 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 was, it was really compelling. It was thrilling. It, was, uh, it, it really kept you watching. I really, really liked it. And I think everyone here is going to enjoy it. And, every, and I'm guessing, it sounds like every episode is, you know, a different case, a different story. Yes, yes. Al almost, almost every episode focuses around uh, uh, – it's always two people. Uh, be, being being judged. There's a whole bunch of uh, side stories and subplots that happen around that main main event. You know, like like dancing around the edges of that main event, but uh -huh. usually, yes, it is. It is that's the backdrop. Yeah, sounds very interesting. Yeah, and you get to see a whole myriad of people—children, teenagers, old people, middle-aged, uh, criminals, detectives—they all get judged. And some sometimes the criminals go back because, yeah, you're a criminal, but you were a criminal by necessity. Your core being is good, and so you get you get sent back. Is it wrong to steal a loaf of bread to feed your, feed your family? Exactly, and he is the judge of that. Gosh, no, sir. What if your yeah. family doesn't like bread? What if your family likes cigarettes? Would that be wrong? Well, I, I guess not. Yes. Old so, Simpsons uh, reference. When, it was, when the show was funny. Yep. All right, now the only thing I got right on my first slide was that uh, um, Gargantia can be watched on Hulu and Netflix, but... Uh, Death Parade can only be found on Hulu. So that's unfortunate. Uh, sad for those who do not possess Hulu. Exactly. But that is, uh, that is my segment. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And uh, I hope you, hope you watch, more, uh, watch more anime. Well, thank you very much, Heathen Dog, for your insightful and exciting segment. Uh, as always, you can follow Heathen Dog with the Legion of Myth and see his weekly exploits on YouTube. And as he streams them, uh, he has his STO stream with Buck Fats McCool, who is now way too high ranking for the good of Starfleet. It's it's absolutely true. I mean, uh, now now the, uh, the 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 way the uh, episodes are written, they're they're written for someone. Everyone's talking down to me, dude. You're a captain. I'm a fleet friggin' admiral. I got five pips. You don't send me anywhere. I send you to get me lattes. But the game doesn't doesn't have that rank mechanics so i gotta i gotta do it i will say that sometimes well a lot of the 
additional episodes, they actually do take into account that it's probably fleet admirals going through it. So there, it's never like, oh, you must do this. It's would you please help or or you know, Starfleet Command has dispatched you to. You know, it's when you're playing through other content not written for that, where it's like, hello, I'm your admiral so and so. I order you to do this, and how dare you co- dare you question? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow your roll, bro. <laughs> I know, yeah, it's like that. But um, if 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 you run through the game on normal, you're not going to run into that problem. If you run in the game on advanced or elite, you you are you are going to outlevel the the expected level of of your of your content. Because yes. you're going to get more experience points, you're going to you're going to level up faster. You're going to level up faster than 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 the game progresses. So you're going to run into that problem, but it's a minor problem. Uh, all of the episodes are still fun. And yep. Uh, and when time. do you stream those? Mondays and Thursdays at noon central. Uh, the the Legion of Myth streaming during during the week, Monday through Friday, has joined together and decided that noon is when we're going to start. Noon central time on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That is, that, that is now locked in stone. That's what we're doing. So everyone everyone can can block off the same amount of time a day to watch us. It's going to be the same time, different content. Good stuff. It's only the weekend where it's late times where we're That's streaming. That's right. That's right. You, you are at, what, 9, nine Central? Yep, we got the live stream at 8 Central, 9 at Eastern. Eight, eight. And then on mm-hmm. Sunday night, we got I stream Final Fantasy fourteen at... 9 Central, 10 Eastern. Exactly right. Alright, thank you very much, Heathen Dog, for this review. And You always give me these series I want to watch. I never have enough time, but I still try to watch them. So, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Next up, let us go to Garthon's comic pull. Where Garthon pulls comics and talks about them. And I don't have my link to my music. Alright, anyway. Let's talk about our first book this week. Justice League of America, number six. This was written by Steve Orlando. The artist is Andrew T. McDonald. A cover by Joe Preto. There's an alternate by Ivan Rice. I don't have that one. I have this one. It's a good cover. Because it, it shows Ray killing Lobo. Why, Ray? You can't, Why you can't are you kill Lobo, Lobo like that. No, but, the, but for some reason when DC puts their comic covers on their website, they never actually post... They almost... Not, almost never post the full cover. They'll post the image without, like, the title over it and, like, the word balloons. Because there are actually word balloons on this cover saying, No, Ray! Why are you killing Lobo? And it's like, you can't really kill Lobo. I mean, I guess in theory you could. But in our last issue of Justice League of America, uh, another small country called to the Justice League of America for help, saying, Help, help! These evil invaders are destroying us! Essentially... Um, a small country ended up falling victim, let us say, to a weapons manufacturer. Uh, basically, there's a native of the country who is a genius weapons designer who somehow ended up falling in, falling in with a supervillain who is adding uh, ancient Greek magic to his weapons. He has Aegis, or Aegeus mythic weapons. So you don't just have a gun; you have a gun that's that's imbued with the magic of the of the great ram, stuff like that. Um, so eventually, they the Justice League rolls in to try and stop these evil weapons manufacturers because the people have jobs, but they're also like essentially slave labor because he's the only, you know, person hiring in town. Yeah, he's the only game in town, right? Right. It's not the a good job, and 
they're every country around them is feeling the pinch of like this horrible evil weapons manufacturer next to them you know so the people have jobs but they're not good jobs but they're jobs so they do them there's no other choice really but uh in the last issue Lobo went confront confronted the main baddie um Aegeus who shot him with a weapon that was imbued with uh, like the mythic poison of the Hydra. So it okay. cannot be stopped. Right. It's a poison meant to kill gods. Uh, he shoots uh, Lobo with it, and the blowback knocks him a mile away. And what's worse than that is the poison is actually eating him away slightly faster than he can regenerate. So when this issue, when Ray finds him, you know, Ray's like, oh my god, and Lobo's like, hey, look, kid, you know, don't be such a, you know, don't be such a phoebe. Here's the problem. This, I'm, this is killing me fast. I can regenerate. It's in my heart. What you got to do is cut out my heart and throw it on the floor. It's like I can't cut out your heart. It'll kill you. It's like nah. Well, maybe. Probably not. But I, I'll definitely die if you don't. You got to cut out my heart. Ray is a good person. He's like I can't cut out someone's heart. And Lobo's sack the, up, Ray. Yeah, basically, Lobo's words like, sack up, you mama's girl, and just starts insulting him the heck out of him. It insults everything he believes in, and eventually just rages, yells, ah, just you know, makes a giant blade and cuts his heart out. And you, it's actually a pretty graphic image of his heart flying out of him. And Lobo falls over. It's like, ah, I knew you had it in your kid. And he's like dead. But he gets up. He gets better. He slowly gets better. Yeah, after he cuts his heart out, you know, you know, Batman's like, so what's the situation? And it's like, um, he's starting to breathe again. Good. Uh, you know, Batman was never concerned. No, no. He's like, he's like, uh, that's all sorted now. But the main thrust of the book actually is the Atom. Um, it isn't your typical character. Oh, gosh, I should have his name right now. But he was the, was the original Atom's lab student, right? Was his assistant who kind of stumbled in on the secret and helped him out. Okay. He's not a fighter. Yeah, he's a scientist. He's very much. He's not used to being a superhero at this point. But he is up speaking with Aegeus about what he's doing and why it's wrong and how he needs to be stopped. And just when the guy's tired of talking to Adam, he's about to, you know, shoot him in the head. When Lobo busts in through the wall, and the guy's like, "You're supposed to be dead." He's like, "Yeah, you can't kill the main man." And He's right about to shoot Adam in the head. Adam shrinks out of the way and actually manages to stop him. You know, shrinks down, goes in, knocks him out. Which is stunning because the character has been such a pacifist up until now. And Lobo goes, ah, I knew he, that's why I like you, kid. I knew you had it in you. And then after that, you know, Batman and the team wrap everything up. Um, the guy's like, oh, thanks for shutting down the evil weapons manufacturer. We're all safe now, but now we don't have jobs anymore and our country is destitute and we're going to be horrible. Uh, Vixen says, don't worry, my charitable organization will help you out, and where my organization comes, other organizations follow. And she gives, you know, Batman a very pointed look, saying, guess where Wayne Tech is opening a factory, Jerko. Um, so it's a nice, happy ending for them. But the prologue is Lobo and Adam talking uh, at a secluded part of the base. And... Lobo goes on, Adam's like, why do you trust me to do... Because basically Lobo told Adam he trusted him. And Lobo told Adam that he knew he would bail him out. And I was like, why do you know I do this? I'm the weakest member of the team. I'm not a superhero. I don't know why. And Lobo goes on a kind of a neat 
little spiel about how he doesn't like anyone. He hates all people. He hates all Earthlings. He hates this planet. But he kind of likes dolphins. Because dolphins are honest. And they're kind of cute. Well, you can trust a dolphin. Because everything a dolphin has, it's sincere about. And then he looks and says, kid, you're kind of like a dolphin. And that's why I like you. He just kind of looks like, wow. thanks, I guess. Yeah. And for Lobo, that's like as sincere as you can get. Yeah, you know? that's that's like proposing marriage. You know, that that was like, you know, I'm opening my soul for Lobo. You know, I kind of like dolphins. That's that's about as best you're going to get. And it was a neat moment. And it was um, the writer, Steve Orlando, has done a pretty good job with this series. Not great, but a pretty good job. I enjoy reading it. It's better than Justice League. I There are flaws I can point out. But he's done a good job showing okay, this is how the Justice League can help people. Not just run into a place, beat up a bad guy, huzzah, and leave. You know, it actually does a pretty good job showing, look, there are real-world problems that are caused by supervillains that a superhero team can stop and then help recover. Not just everything isn't, oh, Star's destroying the world. Haha, we punched a starfish in the face. You're a welcome world. You know, there's aftermath. There's you know, little guys being hurt. And this does a pretty good job showing how to take care of that. And I like it. So cool. overall, I'm going to give this issue a three and a half out of five. I liked the art. It was really solid. Story is really solid. Not a perfect story. It was a great, great wrap up. Not perfect. Not quite. I didn't get any like, yeah, awesome. That I would get to me rate a four out of five. A very strong three out of five, uh, three and a half out of five. Really liked it. Just League of America number okay. six. Good. Good deal. Next comic book. New Superman number 11. We were just talking earlier how you're surprised you liked this series, and I like it too. Yeah. Uh, written by Jin Long Yang. Uh, art by Billy Tan. The cover art is done by Philip Tan. I don't know if they're related. I like to pretend they are. Tan, Tan could be like Smith. We don't know. Yeah, it could be. Or, you know, like uh, Pac. Or Kim in Korea. You know, everyone's Mr. Kim. Anyway, this issue of a new Superman has him being super, but new. Uh, this is the first part of the Zero Ultimatum. Um, Keenan Kong is back in China uh, with the new Chinese Flash, who we saw in the previous issues. Uh, who's actually a, a Chinese-American. Right, right. She she was bad, now now she's good. And... She was never really bad. She was she honestly was trying to recover Chinese artifacts, which is good. She was trying to be good. It was the rest of Ch the China White Triad who's evil as the day is long. She was just kind of a hireling of that, and then she went, whoa, you guys are actually really evil. And they went, yeah, we're really evil. Didn't yeah. you get that? Yeah, yeah. She, she hitched herself to the wrong bandwagon on that one. Yeah, she bailed out pretty quick, and she figured out they were evil. Um now she's the new Chinese Flash. Uh, most of this issue has to deal with, uh, in the beginning of the issue, um, he is in Master I Ching's uh, Tai Chi class, and he actually unlocks his next ability and learns super speed. So instead of being sensible, being who he is, pretty impetuous still, first he does is run to find the new Flash, um, who is busy testing the limits of her speed on a treadmill, and what's interesting is, while they're testing her on the treadmill, 
Uh, Bob says, why is the, if he's Chinese, why is the envelope on his chest Chinese? It is, actually. That's not an S. It's a symbol. Kind of like Superman doesn't have an S. He has a Kryptonian symbol meaning hope. So there. Anyway. Um, and New Superman's actually a really good book, Bob. I mean, you could be crusty. I understand crusty. I actually support crusty. But uh, New Superman's actually a surprisingly good book. So uh, so he found her on the treadmill. Yeah, I found her on the treadmill. And they have a neat little segment there where with her tester, they say, you know, you're slower now than last time. She's like, that's because I'm more bored than last time. Which I should ideal her powers maybe in part are based on her attitude, but maybe it's just because, you know, like with any athlete, if they're bored or not into it, they're not going to perform as well. But uh, gets here her and says, hey, guess what? I got super speed now. Let's use faster. Boom. And they both take off. There's no, there's no like, I don't know. You know, they just, boom, they're gone. And then, of course, the director and Batman and Wonder Woman are there. And it's like, oh, well. This is going to end well. Had to expect that to happen. And there's some fun quips going back and forth between them racing, you know, kind of messing with each other. You get the idea of a blossoming relationship. But the main plot actually focuses on something very interesting. Uh, the ch- a biologist under the ocean has found, who actually is the biologist who was rescued previously uh, from the freedom fighters, who were the villains, but not really, uh, like Hong his dad, the freedom fighters. Uh, the marine biologist who they were after, who they saved, makes the discovery, of his li- the discovery of a lifetime. It's this ancient Chinese statue. And, of course, he's almost immediately attacked by the China White Triad, who kill him and all of his assistants. Great. They then inject the statue with something, and it wakes up and begins, like, mutating. And they take off. Because, you know, they're... The, that, that was what they were paid to do? Mutate this statue and leave? Yes, that was their job. Okay. Uh, it gets resolved pretty quickly. Well, you find out what they were doing. The director starts telling... Uh, New Wonder Woman and uh, New Batman Boxy, they say, hey, this ancient statue was found and it's actually a evolved, quote-unquote, giant tortoise. Um, going by Chinese philosophy, after an animal reaches enlightenment, it could actually take on human form. Okay. And they're like, well, how's this? And Boxy's like, well, why is this such int- going to be such interest to a Wonder Woman here? And she says, do you remember how I told you they found me? Well, yeah, they said you told me that, I don't know much about your origin, but you, they said that they found you in a stone sarcophagus. He's like, right. He's the guy who put me there. The, oh. the statue. And when they go to the, they end up contacting Flash, New Superman, they go to the ocean front, and which is being attacked by a giant mutant tortoise. Like, weird spikes coming out of him, he's just trashing everything. Oh and no, a tortoise Pretty much. Uh, he's creating tidal waves to have to rescue everyone from, and he keeps calling Wonder Woman Green Snake. And it's pretty heavily implied... She's an enlightened snake. She's an enlightened snake. And which actually goes right. back to Chinese legend, because there actually are like multiple Bushu films 
from China called Green Snake, about an evolved enlightened green snake who usually ends up tempting mortal men, right? Or who, it, so it's a lot, well, depending on the story, she either tempts mortal men to their doom or falls in love with a mortal man and it causes both of their doom. Chinese, Chinese stories love doom. Yeah, yeah, big, big theme over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing as a happy ending in a Chinese love story. Just accept that. Just know that's, that's the truth and move on from there. But uh, there's actually a kind of dramatic moment, not super dramatic, but nice moment where, you know, she says, you know, you need to stop this. We've been fighting for so long. It's over now. And he tells and he, he tells her, look, I was, this is not how I am. They reawoke me. I was, do you know what it was like when you poisoned me and trapped me under the sea? I was still conscious for millennia. What exquisite torture you put upon me. But then these people came and they injected me with a different virus, a doomsday virus. And that's where they get it. Oh, that's why he's all covered spikes now. They inject him with a virus based off of Superman's villain, Doomsday. What? Where did that come from? It came from, well, that's what they're hit. Well, the only guess is that uh, Master Yi Ching, you know, who is actually a supervillain, probably gave it to them to inject him with. Because he's trying to create division on the team. That's what I'm guessing. That's what I'm guessing. It's not. It's just implied right now. But it, but uh, Turtle Boy or Tortoise, yeah, Turtle Boy actually tells says, "Say Green Snake, we could end this together. If you let me kill you, I'll stop. I'll go away. I'll go to the mountain and meditate. But this needs to end. I shouldn't be here." We, were, we made a mistake. We should not be here. We both made this mistake. We should never have taken this form. So I will end your life and I'll go away. And she's like, well, if it'll save all these lives, okay. Which, of course, you know, everyone grabs her out of the guy's mouth and says, no, 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 no. That's not an option. We're going to punch this guy in the head until he goes away. Which they do. But I, I like this issue. Well, they start doing that. Meanwhile, the directors get yelled at by the Ministry of Defense from China saying, hey, um, your silly little team isn't taking care of it. You need to release weapon. You need to do uh, Weapon Zero. She's like, Weapon Zero isn't ready. As soon as she says Weapon Zero isn't ready, you know what's going to happen. You know, it's just two pages till Weapon Zero comes out. Right, 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 yeah. So what, what's Weapon Zero? Weapon Zero is the guy you see on the cover. He, go, he, he looks like flies Captain in, Marvel. punches Giant Turtle Boy in the head, and says, look out, you can't handle this. I'm Weapon Zero. Or, or no, he calls himself Superman Zero. But he looks more like his costume to reminds me of Shazam with the golden yeah, armor. That's what stuff. I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, apparently they had a Superman project before Kong Keenan, which they have hinted at. But maybe he was too unstable and dangerous and had to be kept. Who knows? That's kind of a cheesy plot. Don't like it. Maybe I will like it in the end. Just seems really cheesy and obvious. But I really like that thrust of the Chinese mythology with the green snake and the uh, the animals attaining human form and stuff. So it was a fun issue to read. A lot of neat stuff. A lot of development. I like the art is still really solid. It's a little different than it has been, but really solid. It flows really well. It's never hard to follow. Um, this is the book that I expect. I bought the first issue just to buy and ended up really liking, and so it keeps me on. Um, I'm actually give this a four out of five. I really enjoyed reading it. I would not hesitate to recommend it to anyone else. 
it actually is a decent jumping on point if you're not familiar with the story or characters because you don't need to be to jump into this. You can still get everything from this issue. Uh, it's a lot of fun uh, for readers of all ages. So I am still really big on New Superman 4 out of 5 for issue 11. Good stuff. Yeah. And last this week. Avengers number 7. Ah, I love that cover. From this day forth, Avengers, you work for the infamous Iron Man. With everyone's favorite Iron Man, Victor Von Doom, on the cover. Looking not evil. Nope, not evil. No, no, he's not evil at all. Nope, doesn't look evil. Looks happy. Uh, This was written by Mark Wade and Jeremy Whitley. Uh, Art is Phil Noto. Uh, the art in this book is almost like a painted, like a digital painting style. Uh, so let's get used to that. It's actually kind of, depends what, how you feel about that style. I like it in this instance. But basically, the infamous Iron Man shows up to the Avengers. Um, he doesn't so much join as say, Avengers, I require your aid and you will aid me. And to which they reply, okay, it's Doom. You guys hit him high, I'll hit him low. You know. And it's actually this yeah, great moment. It's like, no, no, there's this terrible thing happening. I need your help. And Spider's like, yeah, why should we trust you? Is your spider sense tingling? No. Well, then let me continue, please. Damn it. <laughs> but one of the most entertaining things about this is uh, the new Wasp, um, who's not Janet Van Dyne. It's, uh, ah, she was introduced earlier. She's, uh, the new Wasp was actually part of the Russian Red Room program that created the Black Widow. But because of her, incre- uh, she is actually the daughter of Janet Van Dyne and Henry Pym. Oh, so she's probably got some latent psychological issues that are going to pop up at an inconvenient moment. Uh, well, actually, being raised in the Red Room kind of knocks that stuff out of you. <laughs> uh, when you're raised in an assassin camp, they knock that crap out of you real quick. Because they can't handle emotional instability. You will be stable or you will be killed. So, uh, there's that. Um, but, and actually Henry Pym, by the real story, actually isn't emotionally unstable. There was one time he lost his temper and, and uh, smacked Janet. Honestly, she did kind of deserve it. I didn't mean that. But uh, she was being really mean to him at the time. And he was under a lot of stress. Still, you know, she's not supposed to hit anyone. But when your job is hitting people, I you know, anyway. Um, no excuse for it. But she's a super genius. She actually created... Um, she didn't go through the full assassin training for the Red Room program. Uh, Bob was saying, sorry, if there was a Doctor Doom steal a suit or develop his Iron Man armor. Um, it's just a writer-artist thing, let's mash up Doom and Stark. Actually, Bob, it has a pretty long history behind it. It's actually a very kind of semi-convoluted history. After the end of Secret Wars 2, no, yeah. Secret Wars, Doom oh. was God, and Doom lost it all. And he realized at the end, he had everything. He owned the universe, and it brought him no pleasure. He gained no satisfaction from his actions. So, in this new universe that's been created, where he is no longer scarred and maimed like he was, he has decided to try being a hero. Because, hey, you know... Being, being a villain didn't help him out any. Let's try the whole superhero thing. Because yeah, after now, all... I... Yeah, yeah, but but to, to, to really point this out, he is not a good guy. He's just doing good things because doing bad things didn't work. 
ah, but doesn't that make you good? Do not actions create who you are? Well, there's the whole philosophy thing. Good people do good things or bad people doing, doing good things. Are they the same? Well, that's a question for the ages. He also has apologized to people he's wronged in the past, which is part of the 12 steps of the A program. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the supervillain A deal. Yeah, basically, he's actually apologized to people he's wronged. He's trying to make amends. He's trying to be a good person. Uh, he's staying away from villains and villainy. So he's, he's on the supervillain 12 step. But he crafted a new set of armor. Um, Iron Man's gone. So he basically is kind of a tribute to Tony Stark, who he respected, um, even while a villain. He is calling himself the new Iron Man. He doesn't call himself the infamous Iron Man. That's what other people call him. But it works for a cover. So yes, Victor Von Doom is no longer calling himself Doctor Doom. Even though he is a doctor, he does have that doctorate. Um, he is the new. He is Iron Man, as far as he's concerned. And he's pretty cool at it. Anyway. Um, so... The new wasp is your spider sense tingling. No, new right. Wasp. Got it. New wasp is there. Super genius. Created her own pim particle generator. Um, when, when doom starts introducing himself, she just starts having like mega fangirl moments. You know, it's like, Oh my gosh, you're Victor Devon doom. I'm your biggest fan. And which is actually like really, the book is waffles between serious and lighthearted very effectively. Um, and it's just really funny to see this person fangirling out all over Doctor Doom, especially because she hates Spider-Man. Um, they can't place why. They've kind of joked that it might be a wa- how wasps and spiders are natural enemies thing, but she's always kind of like really antagonistic towards him. Doesn't hate him, but is always pointing out his flaws. Like they just do not get along. Um, so he's, Spider's kind of really annoyed when she's just all over Doctor Doom and how wonderful he is. Like, how come she hates me and loves this supervillain? Um, but she's like asking him, so, so when you invented the, your, your time machine, was that a means to an end or was it, or did you just, did you set out to build a time machine or is it just like an afterthought to another goal? I mean, oh my God, this is someone who's smart enough to make a time machine as an afterthought. You know, she's just beside herself. And that actually turns into the main thrust of the book. Um, as Doom is talking about like these evil sorceress entities that he cannot directly confront and needs their help and he takes them he's like like okay well helps it excellent and he teleports them magically to what appears to be a summer camp a girl's summer camp and they're like okay doom what the hell's going on so they're gonna fight jason well he actually explains that there is a massive amount of magical summoning energy happening here he personally cannot confront it because if he does He's marked already. They'll know, and the whole thing could detonate and just be bad for the whole world. So then you just find out exactly where, this, where the epicenter is, exactly what's happening, and then together they can shut it down. So naturally, the one member of the team who's most fitted to enter a girl's summer camp incognito is the, the new wasp. Right. Obvi- yeah. Obviously. Um, they go through, ends up talking to some people, finds out, you know, camp girl stuff. And it turns out that some of the camp counselors are busy trying to summon forces of evil to ensure that they will be successful later in life. Like, one will be a doctor, one will be president, one will, you know, they're all going to have the success, right? And they're going to use these evil entities' power to do it. And so, so Nadia, who's new wasp, that's her name, like, Nadia, 
Because she actually found it like, yeah, I hate people. I want to be on this too. Like, yeah, well, do you trust us? Yeah. So you're going you're to help us? Yeah, absolutely. Anything you need. Cool. Thank you for agreeing to it. You're now our sacrifice. And, you know, they pull out the knife. It's like, wait, what? We have to sacrifice you. That's the final thing we need, a human sacrifice. So thanks for volunteering. We appreciate it because you have to volunteer. And, of course, right as they're about to kill her, Shields Avengers assemble. They walk in, interrupt the ritual, and the Magic Girls get imbued with superpowers by their evil entity to go and try and whoop up on the Avengers. Uh, fight ensues. And, you know, they all show up. Doom and everyone shows up. Beats them off. But and they manage to start knocking the uh, the entities empowering the girls out of them. Which just turns them back to normal little girls. Well, teenage girls. But as the last one is going out, the entity starts dragging her back through a portal to the underworld. And as she's going, you know, Wasp is like, dude, dude, we have to stop them. She's going to take him. He's like, why? They were going to kill you. Don't they deserve consequences of their actions? It's like, dude, you can't, we can't let these people die. We have to, and she like risks her own life to save this girl who's about to kill her. And you're thinking, what the hell, Doom? I thought you were a hero. I guess you are evil. But you actually start seeing these th- um, editorial, not editorial, but notes in this page, th- things about what Doom is actually doing. That he's actually studying Nadia. Because he's already recognized her as a as a uh, subliminal genius. Someone who should be watched and monitored. And he wanted to make sure that she would not make the same mistakes he did as a young genius with unparalleled intellect. He wanted to make sure that she was able to make the morally correct choices. He unpurposely staged the situation where that woman was being dragged into he- into the underworld to see if Naughty would stop it. But it, it it doesn't make it clear that if she didn't, he would have stepped in. No, they don't. So they leave that ambiguous, uh, which is actually a pretty go. good yeah. trick of writing. Like, would yeah. Doom have actually let that slide? I like how they leave that, hmm. But you do get the right. But from his notes, you get the impression he didn't want her to go. He didn't really care. But he wanted to make sure Nadia didn't want her to go. That Nadia would step in. That she was able to use her genius for good. And I liked that. It's a very silly book, for the most part. I mean, for gosh sake, they're interrogating campers at, at you know Camp Kikawaki or wherever they're at. Yeah, it it, it actually sounds like a like a uh, maybe a subpar um, Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah, in a way, yes. Yeah. It very is. Oh look, the evil counselors are so many evils, so they can be successful. It's human sacrifice. The only thing that really elevates it is that Doom was using this all as an exercise to test Nadia. And that makes it a lot more interesting, as well as uh, Nadia, New Wasp's reactions to him. And so that saves the book from being bad. The art is solid the whole way through. Even boring scenes are pretty interesting. I liked the digital painting style for it. It's not. Sometimes the digital painting style is hard to follow. I've knocked this comic before for being hard to follow. This issue was not. Then again, not a too many action scenes in this issue. It's a, a Mr. Noto's action scenes are a little hard to follow. Not too much action in this book, so it's generally easy to follow. Um, there's some great sharp dialogue um, that gets from the characters that I haven't gotten into because I don't want to ruin everything with the book. There's some fun, a lot of fun in this book. 
And, you know, it brings infamous Iron Man onto the Avengers. And how could that be bad? It can't be. It could only be good. Because, let's be honest, Sam Wilson, Captain America is lame. And the team essentially does not have a leader because of that. So now, Doom can lead the Avengers like he was meant to. That didn't sound right. Anyway, um, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. A weak three and a half out of five. I liked the book. Um, the overall plot arc saves it from not being good. But come on, they're going through a, a summer camp, a girl summer camp, and there's evil counselors. But it was a fun read. Uh, yeah, I'll give it three and a half. Well, weak three and a half. Strong three, weak three and a half. For uh, Avengers number seven. This book needs to be better. Overall, I enjoyed this issue, but overall as a series, it needs to be better. Um, Uncanny Avengers is a better series. Um, U.S. Avengers is a better series. And it's getting canceled, probably, which is a crying, crying shame. It's criminal because U.S. Avengers is an incredible series, which is fun and insightful and has great action and whoa moments and has so much going for it. But it doesn't have the readership. Um, Avengers has readership just because the title, I think. So there's too many Avengers titles. But anyway, that's my opinion. That is Garthon's comic poll for this, the 13th of May, 2017. Sweet. Now okay. it's not the RNG where you're talking about the random things happening this week. Jeez, random things happening. I've been I've been following. Uh... Uh, the the uh, Flash and Supergirl and stuff and and uh, I really I I didn't think I was going to like Supergirl. Okay, I didn't. And, You're talking about the TV series. Yeah, the 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 uh, TV show. And I really thought I wasn't going to like it, but they chose the perfect actress to play Supergirl. Oh yeah, she knocks it out of the park. Oh, knocks it out of the freaking park easy. I mean, she she uh, she slips in and out of you know. Uh, Supergirl and Cara Danvers, the whole personality thing. Uh, in in the first half of the first season, it was a little rough, but I I I, I expect that. But now, now, I mean, you you really do believe that they're two different people, just just from her posture and her intonation and her her seriousness when when uh, when when she's in uh, Supergirl mode and her and her slightly flightiness and. And a little bit, a little bit scattered, uh, Cara Danvers mode. I really like it. The, the the action has been good. Now I was worried that when it moved to the CW, it was going to get a major production cut. And yes. there was yeah, I think was, a lot of us were. Yes, that, that that there was going to be a lot less of actual superheroing with with cool you know laser beams and cool CGI stuff like that. Now to be fair, there is a little bit less. But when when they when they got rid of Callista Flockhart's salary, I I think they dumped that <laughs> they, they just dumped that into in, into the effects budget, and so yes. and so they didn't lose out a whole lot. I was really happy about that. Now the whole Flash thing, uh, first season started out really strong. I really liked it. Second season was okay, and it started to get bad. But now I'm I'm really enthralled with the whole uh, the the whole uh, uh, reveal that happened uh, last I believe it was Tuesday. But uh, um, where uh, uh, the 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 big bad of of this season is actually Barry Allen 
from the future, a, a, a time remnant that his future self made to fight the big bad. The, the, the big bad uh, spared this time remnant because he knew that this time remnant was going to be him in the future. Now, what, what I mean by time remnant is uh, speedsters, some of them have the ability to go back milliseconds in time and pull a copy of themselves to the present. So now there's actually two of them, right? Actually two of them. Now, uh, all the other times this has happened, the, the, the time remnant has died, so you didn't have to worry about it. But because Savitar secretly saved this guy, he went on to live his own life, but it, he is Barry Allen, but there already was a Barry Allen. He was never accepted. He was always a pariah, he, he, and he lost his entire life. He lost, he lost the love of his life. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He bittered up, and so he became Savitar, the, 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 the big bat. Right. Yeah, and I, I thought that was neat because, because uh, when, when they first started the idea of, of, of time remnants, when, when they pulled in the last big bad, which was Zoom, uh, I thought to myself, well, what if one of them lived? How would how would they reconcile that? Boom, there you go, oh, reconcile. Yeah, that <laughs> there you go, reconcile that, just like that. So I thought that was neat. A lot of people uh, think think it's dumb, like, oh, that's just stupid, you know, stuff like that. It's like, well, th- that's your opinion, sure. But, you know, I mean, I, it, it's 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 along the, the, the same lines as uh, Peter Parker and, and his, and his uh, clone. His clone yeah. decided to leave and start a new life, whatever. You know, but what if he was forced out instead of came to the decision himself? He'd he'd bitter up too. Well, I mean, in modern story, his clone did come back and become evil and become the jackal. I mean, there uh, you go, there you go. See, so we're 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 along the same lines as that. You know, so there there, there is comic precedent for it. You know, not 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 from the Flash per se, but but from from, from the uh, from you know uh, the uh, comic universe. So I like it. I thought I thought it was neat. And that, yeah. that's, 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 that was me this week. All right. Well, I have actually been this weekend. I am working one of the booths at the Tidewater Comic Con, currently going on in Virginia Beach at the Virginia Beach Convention Center, uh, May 13th and 14th. I am working at the booth of legendary comic artist Neil Adams. I'm not like, you know, in death health like Mr. Like Neil Adams can't get along without me. I'm, you know, basically saying, hey, this is Neil Adams' booth. Come look at his stuff. Um, uh, have, and... have you got him on the show yet? <laughs> no. Um, no, I'm saying if you don't ask him, I'm gonna I'm gonna come over there and kick you in the ass, uh, in the butt. Here's the thing, Neil Adams is one of those famous comic artists in the world right now. Um, yep. He's a legend in the industry. Yep. But what I have seen are multiple podcasts and internet comic shows walk up to him and walk away sad. Hey, you know what? It's just like hitting on the hot girl in the bar. The worst she can do is say no. Uh, no, in my case, worse she does not pay me. So, well, do it after you get your paycheck. Then. <laughs> What's hilarious is Neil Adams is one of the nicest, most personal guys you could ever talk to at a comic con, as long as you bought something. If you just walk up, Mr. Adams, I love your art. You're like, oh, did oh, uh, did you want me to sign a print? Or I didn't buy anything. Oh, next. You know, um, because. He's busy. Uh-oh. You don't got time for people. Yeah, right. well, he's only got time for you. You ain't buying right. anything. And honestly, you know, that's true. There's always a line. Um, and I watched multiple podcasts. Some of them actually very high, very highly followed. Um, I won't name their names. Walk up, say, ask for an interview, and he shut them down. Not impolitely, 
but basically saying, you know, he's very busy and has things he needs to do. Whereas if they had walked up and bought, you know, five hundred dollars worth of stuff, he would have made time. You know, that's how that well, works. Dig yeah. deep then. Yeah, that's the thing. And if they had bought, and I'm not saying like give him money, I'm saying buy his stuff. That's what he's there for. He's not there to talk to podcasts. He could do that from his house. He's there to make money selling stuff at a con, right? And uh, so I just uh, I saw at least three, I think four, um, different sh- different you know smaller podcasts and shows. Well, not smaller, larger than us. Get shut down, and I kind of laughed. It's like, dude, you don't just walk up to someone of that stature and say, hey, could you give us a 10 minute interview? No, he's got a line. He's got stuff to do. Well, but, yeah, I don't mean that. I mean like later on, like when his schedule opens up, he, he's he's got a Saturday night where he's not doing nothing, or he's got he's got a Monday morning where he's not doing nothing. We'll record it, and we'll <laughs> we'll throw it up on on here. That's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. Just you know, if, if you don't ask him in some way, buy 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 something. Spend spend twenty bucks to get to ask him. Hey, here's here's my email. Email me if you got time, and and you want to do it. If you don't, then throw it away when I'm not looking. I'll see what I can do, certainly. Okay. Certainly, I'll see what I can do. But, anyway, um, like I said, Neil Adams, famous artist, pretty much defined what Batman looks like for the modern era. Um, so, he's an interesting character. But, um, working at the con and going to the cons, I have developed five things that anyone go that Comic-Con cosplayers need to be aware of. These are now Garthons, in no particular order, five rules for Comic-Con cosplayers. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's, let's do this. Rule number one. Wearing a Deadpool mask does not make a cosplay. A suit and a Deadpool mask and saying your business Deadpool is not cosplay. It's stupidity and laziness. Wearing... Another costume like Captain America with a Deadpool mask does not make you clever. It makes you another idiot in a Deadpool mask. Wearing a Sailor Moon's costume with a Deadpool mask does not make you clever. It makes you an idiot in a Deadpool mask. Okay? No, no, unless unless you also have the really, really giant blonde pigtails coming out of the mask. No. You're still an idiot in a Deadpool mask. Deadpool is funny if you're Deadpool. It is not funny anymore when you're like, oh, you think I'm ha- a Master Chief from Halo? I open up my helmet. I'm Deadpool! No, that's stupid. Either be Deadpool or Master Chief. Bob's saying, so I see a lot of Deadpool masks. Yes. I don't mind seeing Deadpool cosplay. I do mind seeing someone dressed up as a different cosplay. I'm Wonder Woman. Oh, wait, I'm Deadpool! It's not even funny. It's not a thing. You're a moron, and you look stupid. It makes you look lazy, honestly, is what it makes you look like. Especially like a suit with a Deadpool mask. You're just being lazy. You Don't even try. Rule number two. Harley Quinn. Stop. I could I I guess it longer. All right. A lot of people like Harley Quinn. No, no, we, we are... Y'all know why why you hate Harley Quinn, and for good reason. And you you hate that she was glamorized so much, and that girls for some reason want to be a a, a a a battered woman who is who is a turned turned psycho by by a man who who defines her existence. Right, exactly. And you see a lot of it, and especially like little girls. I see, when you're walking around here, 
if you're a father and you dress up like the Joker and your five-year-old daughter dresses like Harley Quinn, you're an idiot and you need to be stopped. You're creepy. No, you're a creeper. Right. And yeah. you see this kind of stuff. And so just stop. Unless there's, there's a caveat. If you work out and you work really hard to keep your body in great shape and you could pull it off, go ahead. Everyone else needs to stop. Which brings me to rule number three. I'm forgiving of body types for cosplay, but there's a point. If you cannot reasonably be thought of as that character, you probably shouldn't be cosplaying yet. I mean, I don't care if you're not the right sex of that character. I don't care if your skin isn't the right color. I've seen some amazing cosplays that bust all those rules. But if you're playing a character who is supposed to be, yeah, uh, let's say, extremely tall, and you are four feet tall, eh, probably not where you want to go. You might, look, you might look a little silly. If you are 300 pounds and you're trying to be Spider-Man, you know what? It's not working. You need to a little, get a little self-acceptance there, a little self-introspection. Um... If you are 300 pounds and you are trying to portray Harley Quinn or Poison Ivy, you might want to think about that. Hugh Jackman pulled off Wolverine because he looks exactly like Wolverine. He's taller than Wolverine by a few inches, but he still pulled. But that's different. Yeah, and he worked his butt off. To he do worked that. his butt off for that body. Yeah. And I'm not saying you've got to do Hugh Jackman work to pull off a cosplay. You know what? You don't. And I'm very forgiving, but there's a point where it's just like, come on, you just, you don't even look like the character. You look like some sad person who just doesn't understand what they look like. Um, I'm not trying to get down on anyone or body shame anyone, but there is a limit to where you go past someone like trying to have fun to someone who just looks like they're crying for help. Yeah. All right. Rule number four. Probably the most important rule. Your homestuck cosplay is weird, obscure creepy and no one likes it keep that stuff at home what, what do you mean by that do you know what homestuck is no you're lucky i'll leave it at that okay homestuck is a internet web comic that has expanded into something a little bit more it's very popular among uh if they were teens of the 90s they'd be listening to the cure and cutting themselves Okay. Uh, and saying, don't question my sexuality. Um, so, but now they just read Homestuck and go on their Reddits and forums and cosplay as them. And anytime you say that they're being obstruct, being, you know, being idiots, they say, you should understand me. It's like, no. Homestuck cosplay is lame. And someday you will look back on what you've done and all your Facebook pictures of being your idiot friends in Homestuck cosplay and go, wow, we look like idiots. Because you do. It's only ever kid, you know, you know, young teenagers, mid teenagers doing it. So that should tell you something. And last rule of cosplay at a comic con: no matter how obscure you think your cosplay is, no matter you shouldn't be trying to get the most obscure cosplay you can. 
just so you could go and look at anyone who doesn't understand what you're cosplays and say, I can't believe you understand that I'm cosplaying a character who appeared in three frames of this obscure Japanese cartoon that only lasted for six episodes. You know, don't do it. Don't do it. Baldur's saying, what, you're saying Twiggy shouldn't cosplay as the blob. I'm saying that both ways around, yes, Baldahar. I'm saying that the blob should not cosplay as Twiggy, and Twiggy should not cosplay as the blob. It just does not look right. It is wrong. And honestly, if you're play cosplaying, if your costume would be considered um, grounds for arrest under indecency laws outside of that con, maybe you shouldn't be wearing it. Just saying. Just saying. I missed me. And those are, uh, but the last one being, you do not have to find the most obscure cosplay possible to make yourself feel important because no one understands your cosplay. If you really are that dedicated to that character who appeared in three frames of a animation from a Japanese series that ran for six episodes in 1987, congratulations if you've loved it that much. But don't act offended that no one understands what you're cosplaying. Because that was your That's whole purpose. Fair. Yes, that was your whole purpose too, to try and, and make, make other people look stupid for no reason. Right. Yeah. Congratulations. You can feel superior to yourself in a room full of nerds. Congratulations. You are the lord of the geeks. Oh. However, when that one person actually does recognize you, you know, at least give them a high five or something. Don't act like that they don't love the character as much as you, because they probably don't. But at least they know who you're trying to be. But those are Garth Central for cosplay to Comic Con. You can be good offended. Rules to follow. I don't care. They are good yeah. rules to follow, I think. Yeah. But man, I you can just count the Harleys, man. You can count the there's so many. And the movie made it worse. The Suicide Squad movie. It's like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How many fourteen oh, yeah, year olds no. do I gotta Open see the in their floodgates? I mean how many fourteen year olds do I gotta see in their hot topic Harlequin jackets? Come on. I know where you bought. I know it's a hot topic jacket. Come on. Ugh. Ugh. They're always with their, their you know, uh, friend-zoned 14-year-old boyfriend, you know, or male friend, I should say, who is pathetically falling behind them, thinking he has a chance, and he does not, because he's clearly friend-zoned, and you pity them both. Yep. That's yes, kind of the rule. sad. Yep. Must draw a boxer. That should that would actually be a great cosplay. I want to see actually, someone no. cosplaying as Harley Quinn and the person next to him with a ring of yellow tape around him that says Friend Zone walking along next to her. Nice. nice. <laughs> but but here, a uh, hot tip for anyone listening right now who is friend zone to a teenage girl who loves Harley Quinn. You want to get out of that friend zone? Treat her like crap. Oh, yeah. She's clearly looking. Yeah, obviously, that's what she wants. Yes. Treat her like garbage. Ignore her when she texts. Text her back whenever you want something. When, when she says, what do you think about something? Say something neutral, yet a little bit derogatory about, about something that she, she has self-concerns about. And then, and then tell her, don't worry, baby. It'll be okay. For example, if she says, hey... How do you think I would look in this dress? You could say, uh, I think your friend Michelle would probably look a little better. Stuff like that. Yeah. The Harley Quinn yeah. crowd would, would really, they, they'll cry oh, yeah. at first, but then they'll come running to you. 
Come this run was... The opinions of the usual... <laughs> <That's> not... <laughs> no, no, it's just... I, I, I mastered... This is satire. We're kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mastered teenage girls pretty quick growing up, so it wasn't it wasn't that hard to <laughs> to uh, manipulate them it's true though i mean that's oh teenage girls are so complicated so complicated they're not they're extremely simple if they're nice girls you do nice things to them if they're bad girls you be dismissive and indifferent they will come running to you you'll be no. like catnip sadly that's true I think, in my experience, anyway. Yeah. All right, but that was it for uh, the uh, my section, the RNG. That's all I got this week. So I think this is a good show. What do you think? I think it well, except for my slide <laughs> snafu. Everyone had snafus this week. Yeah, yeah, but remember, remember, in in the in, in the YouTube section, I'm going to have the 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 correct version in there. And I'm sorry again, this won't happen. Sorry. All right. Any final words of wisdom, Heathen Dog? Well, if you're going to cosplay, uh, cosplay to your body type. I mean, I'm not saying that you're fat. I'm saying that you're going to go on the internet on the sites where people make fun of you for it. And I don't, I don't want anyone to get all sad and depressed and, and do, do something horrible. So, you know, just stay in your lane with stuff like that. And you're probably going to be fine. And you can always, you know, do what you can to, you know, if you if you're really dedicated to being cosplay that character. I mean, the professional cosplayers, you know, they work hard on maintaining yes. their bodies to be able to yes, do the characters they do. they do. Yes, they do. And uh, um, what's his name? Chris Evans and and Hugh Jackman. Oh gosh, they didn't just end insane. up like that. Oh my God, they're working out like four hours a day. They're eating nothing but chicken breasts and broccoli. It's well, freaking nuts. Before if, filming, if, it's if even more wanted... than that. Oh yeah, they, they they actually uh Hugh Jackman went on an interview one time and he said, "Yeah, I, I was bulking up. I was bulking up. I was drinking water, like a liter of water every hour, but before shooting, I didn't drink any water for like what was it, 2 days?" Yeah, some crazy amount. Some crazy like that. So he just wanted to get the scene done so he gets the freaking water in him, but he looked ripped because actually he was dehydrated. Please don't do that. If you get paid 20 million dollars for a film, Maybe maybe that's a good plan, okay? <laughs> but but if you're not, please do not go to that extreme. If you're attending a call with your friends, be safe. Yeah, work hard, eat sensibly. You're you're gonna look better. You're gonna feel better. And then and then maybe you can you can you can pull off a Harley Quinn or a Batman or a Wolverine or whatever. But you know, it, extremes on either ways are not gonna help your self esteem. It's 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 not gonna help you live a good life. It's just it's just gonna make life harder. So please stay in your lane or work hard to switch lanes. That's it. I mean, I, I hey, you, know, you don't got to be perfect. No one's saying be perfect, but you know at least be reasonable. There you go. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, as always, if you have any constructive comment or criticism, let us know. You can visit Legion Myth at reddit.com/r/legionmyth on our Facebook page, facebook.com/legionmyth youtube.com slash c slash legion of myth page at twitter at legion of myth twitch tv slash legion of myth you can check out this podcast the live audio version on itunes on player fm on stitcher on tune in and download directly from our website 
you want to support Legion of Myth, you can get our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash Legion of Myth or directly through patreon.com slash Legion of Myth. We have lots of things going on as always. Anything else you want to say, Ethan Dog? Anything fun? And you well, mix them up. I hope everyone has a has a great day. I hope your your life is nerdy and you live it well. And I want you to just be nicer to each other. That's be, be nice. nice to be nice to everybody. As always, we'd like to thank our Patreon supporters: Hicks two hundred six, Elgarian, Alan fifty one, Baldahar, and Heathen Dog. Aw, you sweet dog. I am. Alright, thank you everyone. Remember you have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great diurnal amount.